0: Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. So, okay, so first of all, so thank you. I want to start by saying this. Thank you for letting me speak today and thank you for letting me or being willing to listen and I don't take it lightly having the chance to hold the mic um, and be up here and be able to speak and know that you know so many people are hearing what I'm saying and I take I take it really serious and I just want you to know that I'm honored that you would listen and that you're here and um, just thankful too for some other things I've just been reflecting this week and just you know wh- how many of you know that when you journey through things, um, if you choose to see, if you choose to focus on the good of things and not always the bad of things, you're going to see things that and recognize things you didn't necessarily know you had or were around, or you know, you just become more aware. And uh, I just felt like, just as some things that we're walking through, and for me specifically, I just felt like I'm just really noticing, just because I'm choosing not to focus on bad or, or hurts necessarily. I'm not saying we just avoid hurts, but I'm just saying, I'm choosing to focus on the good things that are coming out of situations. And I've just recognized, like, just I have such a deep thankfulness for the culture that we have at Upper Room. And um, I was meeting with someone, not this week, but last week. Maybe it was this week. I really don't. I think it was Monday. Anyways, and I was just sharing with her, someone really, really close to me, and I was just sharing with her, she's not from here. And I was sharing with her how I'm just, like, journeying through some things and just some hurts and just different areas and things like that. And I was. Then I began to say, but, you know, I had this person that texted me, um, not knowing what was going on, texted me a prophetic word with very specific prophecies and encouragement. Then a couple days later, had someone else who had this dream out of nowhere about us, rel- related to what we're going through. Then a couple days after that, another friend texts me or calls me and says, you know, <laughs> were you awake at 3 a.m. last night? I'm like, nope, and okay, call me. I'm like, why? I had a dream about you, and I need to talk to you about it. And so I called, and I said, did I die in the dream? And she's like, no, but you got attacked by a shark. I was like, oh my gosh, you know. But as we processed through the dream, it's just, it was the Lord giving her a dream for us as, even though it was a shark, it was an encouraging dream. And um, what I began to think about as I was talking with this other person I met with, I was just like, but in the stuff that I'm going through, the Lord has shown me that, this, the, that what we have sown into as a congregation and what Aaron and I have just plowed into and sown into for so many years, like, I felt like this was just this opportunity to reap what we've sown. Like, we've sown into and we've went after a prophetic culture. Like, that's been such a thing for us as a culture of encouragement where people come up to you that don't know you and they're prophesying into your life and they're encouraging you. And you know, every single Sunday when I'm up here and I'm like, go tell somebody five encouraging things. That's what happens when you begin to create this culture of encouragement and prophecy and prayer and caring and thinking about others and all this stuff. And so, it's just, I just feel so thankful to be able to be a reciprocant, recipient, what's the word? Recipient of that. You know, I was just like gosh, wow. And when I was talking to her, she's like yeah, I wish I had that. Like, th- and, it, and suddenly this thing went off in my brain. I was like, this isn't normal. It's not normal. What we have here is not normal, but it should be the normal. We should, as kingdom people, be constantly walking in a culture of encouragement and prophecy and what is God saying and hearing him and releasing it into people's lives and all these things. And I'm just on a tangent because this is not my topic, but I wanted to just say thank you for, for trusting me and trusting Aaron and I and for getting on board with something that c- does at times feel uncomfortable and awkward and for going out of your comfort zone and for praying for us and for dreaming for us. And for when you get those things, don't hesitate to share them with us, because we are really good at deciding with the Holy Spirit, was that really for us, or was that like a pizza dream that wasn't for us, you know? Like, was the shark really, you know? So anyways, just don't hesitate. It just so encourages us, and um, we just love being on the receiving end of that, as well as being able to pour it out, too, so... Anyways, thank you. I hope that all made sense. Okay, moving on. This is the very first time in my life that I have been told what I have to speak about on tr- at church. I'm just not saying at school, like at school, you know, topics, blah, blah, blah. But I'm saying whenever I've spoken here or anywhere else really, I know everybody's usually saying, well, what are you feeling? What do you want to sp- talk about? And And so I'm realizing maybe this is why I'm struggling. It's because I was given a topic by the pastor who told me what to talk about. So I'm freaking out. Ah! But it's okay. Um, So my topic today is as we continue on with the scripture that he has kicked us off with. And so would you just put the verse up there in 2 Chronicles 7. And um, I have it in the Amplified Bible Classic Edition. I think if we could find that version, Caleb, do you mind to see if there's an AMPC? I just really want to speak from that version today because of the words that it says. Um, I'll read it while he's looking, but it says, If my people, who are called by my name, shall humble themselves, then it says, Pray, seek, crave, and require of necessity my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land." And so Aaron talked about being called by his name, then he talked about humility, and so that lands me with praying, seeking, craving, and requiring of necessity his face. I love how that version puts it because it's not, I think, you know, pray and seek my face. Yeah, those are intense words, but now let's add in pray, seek, crave, and require of necessity my face. So if we revisit what Aaron talked about week one, identity, we have to understand our identity. I'm just going to briefly go over this. Have to understand our identity. Know who we are. If we don't understand our identity, I feel like to walk in humility, the second piece of that, of that verse, is very difficult. Because when we struggle with our identity, not knowing who we are, pride gets in the way. Fear gets in the way, insecurities get in the way, and all of those things truly prevent us from getting humble and going low. Because when we go low, there's also this thing of like, ooh, if I go that low, then I lose my, we start to think, I lose who I am up here. We don't understand that going low actually helps elevate us in the positions that God has for us. And so understanding our identity is so vital to lead us to being humble And until we can really truly understand and get low and be humble, I feel like we'll be able to pray and we'll be able to have this knowledge, this idea of seeking his face and craving him. But it's the humility that takes us to this level to where we are actually so desperately craving and desiring and requiring of necessity Speaking with him, being with him, seeing him, having this face-to-face encounter. Because without our, our humbleness, we really have a difficult time understanding the actual depths of the need that we have for him. Because it's in our humility that we recognize, I I can't. Like, I need, I I am desperate for him. I need him. And then we get to one spot, where, like, that's what I needed. That's what I craved in this moment. But then all of a sudden, continuing in humility, we recognize, I need more. I have to have more. In this humility spot, I'm realizing I'm craving more of him. I need to see him. I need to know him. I need to understand his character. And so... The identity and the humility is what just basically, like he said last week, humility is the pathway to hunger. And I noted that as soon as he said it because if humility is our pathway to hunger, what are we hungering for? We're hungering for him. The humility is the pathway to the hunger for him. And how do we get to him? It's through our prayer. It's through our worship. It's through our intentional time of seeking his Face, so okay, so let's let's dive into this this third part: pray and seek, crave, etc. Um, if we start out by looking at the prayer part, I want to I want to kind of hit on that for just a minute. The the when we pray, what is what is it, how do things look differently when we pray from the perspective of an orphan, which is you know our lacking on identity, going back to that versus our prayer from the sonship perspective and knowing who we are there are differences in those in those uh avenues of prayer if we pray as an orphan we're praying from this thing of i need this i want this i you can i need your help with this i need you to do this it's, it's all about I, I i me 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 i'm worried you're not going to how are you going to where that that's what that looks like i'm not saying that we can't do that There are times when I have to sit and I'm like, God, I need, like, even yesterday morning I was out jogging. I was like, God, I need you to settle my heart in this decision. Like, that's not coming from an orphan perspective. I'm saying when it's all about us and we're not giving an ounce in our prayer time of thank you for who you are, when the prayer becomes just this opportunity for me to dump and there's not an opportunity created on my end for him to speak to me and for me to hear what he's saying. See, that's that's praying as an orphan. Prayer is meant to be this opportunity for communication and relationship with him. I like to use this example and I know we've all heard it before. If if he and I were in relationship and I never and all I did was dump on him and and only do all the talking and only tell him, I need this from you, I need that from you, I need this from you, I need that from you, and then walk away, that, what kind of a relationship is that? Right? It's a very selfish, one-wayed relationship. Now, if I give opportunity for us, or even take it this far, if I never talk to him, is there even a relationship existing? No. But now I'm in this relationship where I'm communicating what I need. I'm thanking him for what he does in my life. I'm thanking him for who he is. And then I'm just quiet and I'm listening and I'm giving opportunity for him to respond and for him to talk back. And sometimes there's times when I'm just always doing the listening. That's what relationship looks like. That's how we grow closer because I'm understanding his needs. He's hearing mine. Now, take it and parallel it to the Father. We our prayer is, I mean, I think we get so wrapped up sometimes in prayer, what it has to look like. It has to look like intercession, praying for our city. I love that. I love that stuff, and that is prayer as well. But we can't forget the fact that prayer doesn't have to be so, I don't know, one, two, three, four, five. Prayer gets to be this opportunity where I'm jogging, and I say, "I God, please help me settle my heart. And five minutes later, I'm jogging, and I'm, thank you for the beautiful sun. I mean, they're totally different. They're not even related, but like I'm still in communication with him, and I'm—we're—that's prayer. We're communing together. We're in relationship. So, move, so I want to move past that—that—that that, that idea of what prayer has to look like. It gets to look like so many different things. If you come on a Tuesday night, prayer looks so different every single month. Sometimes we're like, we are just just raging war on our for our city on things that are happening in the nation all of these things other times we're like one week we were here we were praying for forgiveness and our healing for ourselves other times we've spent almost the entire night just in worship and prayer and praising him and then maybe the last 5 minutes where we really feel like God's leading us in a different direction to pray for out right but it's always this thing of we're hearing what he's doing I'm I'm sharing what I'm feeling it may not be pretty it could be ugly And I don't care because I need to have that open communication that's flowing through him. He knows what's going on anyways. I'm so set free when I speak it out and share it to him, you know, no matter what. Okay, now if we pray, so that's all that praying as an orphan. When you pray as a son and daughter, that's what I'm saying. Identity. I know who I am. God, I know that I can stand here and I can declare that you will give me peace. You will give me joy. I thank you for the promises on my life. We begin to pray from a perspective of understanding that like as an heir to the throne, these are things that I am I am privy to. These are things that I can receive from th- him. These are things he wants to pass down. What I Also, when I'm praying, I begin, as I stop talking and I start listening, I begin to hear the things he's speaking over my life, who he says I am, what he sees in me, what he sees for my future, what he's got good plans for me, what's he doing in my kids' life. I begin to walk away feeling so encouraged. Right? That's praying, knowing who we are, knowing our identity, not walking around as an orphan. Okay. The hunger drives us to crave and pray. So, number one, in the conversations, in the relationship, because of love, it's give and take. Can you pull up Luke 6.12? just want to throw a couple of verses on, I mean, there's so many verses on prayer. Luke 6.12. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Jesus prayed, and I also like the fact that he spent the night praying. Oh, my gosh. I want to get better in my length of prayer. I don't think that you have to pray a long time to get, to get your point across. But what happens if you press in just beyond the point where you're like, I'm good, I feel like I heard him, he heard me, let's move on. What happens if we sit just a little longer, just five more minutes? What's the next thing he's speaking that we may have missed out on just because we ended our prayer time, right? So Jesus prayed, he prayed through the night, he spent the night praying. I was having a conversation with somebody else, I've doing a lot of coffee dates this week. But you know what I love about it is I don't feel drained when I walk away, right? I encourage you that if you're having coffee dates, or whatever dates you have, Man, make sure that when you walk away, you feel like you were receive, on the receiving end, too. You get to pour out, but you get to receive. That's just a side note. Okay, anyways, we were having this conversation, and we were talking about being proactive versus reactive. And I started taking some notes, and we weren't even really talking about it in regards to prayer, but I just, I, I just began to parallel this. Like, what does it look that, like to be proactive prayer, prayers, prayers? Prayers, if you're proactively praying versus reactively praying. Now, obviously, there's going to be times when, okay, let's take, for example, this whole issue um, with the abortion bill that happened in New York, right? I know that God took what the enemy meant for destruction and used it for good because what happened since then is we've heard more people speaking up about it, more people doing things, more people taking action, more people praying, I guarantee you, more churches praying, more, you know, so good things have come from it. Now, I'm not saying we weren't proactive in praying for it, because I know for a fact, I personally was, and I know a lot of people who have been, but I'm just saying, what does it look like to be proactive in our prayers versus suddenly now our prayer times is filled, with, filled with just a reactive mindset, Right, so there's there's benefits to both, but I'm saying, what if we could get to the place to where we're so in tune and in line with Him, and we get ourselves at such a great spot with the Lord, that the majority of our prayer time turns into being proactive in our prayers? What like we're swinging the sword for things that are to come? We're hearing what's happening. We're hearing what God's doing. We're hearing what He's saying. He's we're zoning in on what He needs us to press into. It's so good. It's this great opportunity to be proactive in our prayers. I want to be proactive for my kids. I don't want to spend my time, my prayer time, praying for my daughter who j- I just found out she cheated on a test. I don't want to spend my time praying, God help her. Why did she do it? I, that didn't happen. I'm just using an example. If it did happen, I wouldn't have shame in it. I'm just saying it didn't happen. Um, But I'm saying, I'd rather spend my time praying when my child's 16 and she's faced with a decision with a boyfriend or whatever, God put purity in her heart. Do you see the difference? I'm not saying we can't pray in response to things. We need to. But I also want to make sure that I'm praying for things to come. Who's praying for my kid when she's 15 if I'm not? I don't want to get to when she's 15 and start having to pray, oh, God, help her because she's making these bad decisions, I want, and I would if that happened. I'm not saying that. Do you get what I'm saying? I want to be proactive. I want to begin to declare things for their future, And and that can go for any, all kinds of situations. Okay, so basically, making prayer the norm versus in a crisis. I'm like, right? Prayer is our norm, and take out just, like, remove the word prayer and just t- turn it to making talking to God the normal versus only when it's in a crisis. Because that's when it's like, that's, you know, to me that can make it, bring it down here. Okay. Um, Colossians 4.2 says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. There it is. That, to me, that's proactive and reactive. I'm being watchful, and I'm being thankful. I'm thankful for what you've done, but I'm also thankful for what you're going to do, and I'm watchful. I've seen what's what things have happened, and I'm watchful for what could be c- coming in advance. Prayer leads us to know him, his character. It leads us to encounters. So if in that verse, in Second Chronicles, it says, if my people will pray, seek my face, crave, all of these things, well. pray. For there's a purpose for the reason that the prayer becomes first in that verse. So prayer helps us also get to know him. We learn his character. We get to understand how he speaks to us. We get to learn how he um, directs us in situations. We get to know his heart. We get to know what he's like. And prayer leads us to encounters. For me, as soon as I, yesterday as I'm just jogging away and you know, I don't know about you, but my mind is, like, all over the place. I can one, th- at one moment, I can be, I think I was, like, at mile two, and the next thing I know, I was at mile three, and I don't even know what I thought about, and I'm like, Ugh, it's okay sometimes, and on the, on the other hand, I was like, what if I had been praying for that whole mile? That would have been really powerful. I don't even know what I was thinking about. I think, I don't know. I don't even know. I have no idea. I was. It was not productive, except it got me through a mile, and so all that to say, as we're praying, it leads us to encounters. It's not just, you know, it's not just the give and take, or I mean, it's not just us giving and giving to him. But what happens is as we get to take from him and as we receive from him, encounters are passed out. And encounters can look different all the time. An encounter I had yesterday as I was jogging, and I'm saying, Lord, please, just, I just need you to settle my heart in this decision. Within 30 seconds, I just heard so clearly the answer to what I, was, I had said. And prayer leads to an encounter. I consider that an encounter. To me, that's just I'm hearing him. That's an encounter with the Lord. And so as we are in prayer, we're knowing him. We're knowing his character. We're getting led into these amazing, incredible encounters with him. Okay. And then as we do that, it's just like, it's just like as, as we eat chocolate. I'm going to reference chocolate a lot because I love it so much, and just as we begin to feed that to our bodies, what happens? Yesterday, I had one Reese cup, and I thought, you know what? I'm just gonna have one little Reese's cup, and they're so amazing, and then I walked away from the cabinet. I got to the other side of our sink, and I was like, I think two would be fine. So I walked back and grabbed another one and ate it. And then, like, probably five minutes went by. And then I grabbed two more. I'm not even kidding. And the next thing I know, he comes in later and he's like, well, you finished off that bag of Reese's sitting here. I was like, yes, I did. Like, just get it out of here because I can't handle it. Right? So what I'm saying is, it, as we encounter the Lord, it becomes our addiction. And in the addiction, it is what we have to have. Like, I could not get my mind away from the fact I have to have just one more. I couldn't. And so the goodness of the chocolate led me to come back for more. And it is the goodness of God that will lead us back to him for more, right? It's the encounters that leave us changed that will lead us back for more and more and more. And when you have an encounter with him, you will never be the same. And, it, and you might walk away for five years, but there's always going to be something inside of you that's like, I crave that encounter again. And so what begins to happen is it becomes something that we require, we feel empty without it. Like, I'm not comparing Jesus to chocolate. But I just, like, couldn't move forward to the next thing until I just fulfilled the need for the sugar. And it's a drug, I'm telling you. Um, okay. So there we go. We're moving on from prayer now into the seeking. And so we, so as we begin to have this prayer addiction whatever, and we get, begin to have these cravings and these cravings, okay, that leads us into the seeking. Okay, so let me see if I want to do this. I had made a note to when I wanted to put this one picture up, but I'm going to have Caleb put that picture up right now, right? I think he knows which one I'm talking about. You know you're desperate for a chocolate fix when you find yourself raiding your baking supplies for semi-sweet chocolate morsels. I have done it. I have done it. And what I'm saying is I will be desperate for him, and I will do all that it takes to seek until I find it. I will seek every cabinet. I will seek my purse. I will search. And I know that you have something like this in your life. Whatever it is for you, Diet Coke, a Diet Pop, I don't know. Whatever it is for you, for Angie, it's almonds. Angie has to have, her, oh, yeah, coffee or coffee. <laughs> Whatever it is, you're gonna seek until you find. And so that's where the seeking thing comes in. We're seeking, and seeking in the definition of it is an attempt to find something. And in your prayer time and in your encounters and in all of that stuff, you know that what you have found before, God's face, His character, feeling, his presence, his spirit, that's the thing that we're seeking for again. We're seeking until we find. And there's a couple parts to this. He he referenced it last week, but I say it a lot. We seek to understand before being understood. It is so like that with the Lord. I want my heart to be, I want to seek to understand you, just you, period, you, but also in a situation i want to seek to understand god what you're doing in this before i demand you to understand what i think or what i feel and i get to share those things it's not that we don't it's not that we're just this person that's sitting here and we're just all we're doing is just hearing 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 no he wants to know where we're at he wants to hear our heart he wants the reality of our emotion in our hearts but The thing is seeking him and what he's saying and what he's doing before we have this demand for him to understand what we're coming from. You know, I don't, I got to get rid of this thing of, I need you to understand what I'm saying. And also, I need you to agree with what I'm saying. No, that's not relationship in general, let alone with him. We need to understand what he's saying and we need to have an understanding of what he wants to do. And in the seeking, in the craving, in the requiring of being with him in his face and his voice, that's when we begin to we begin to have all of this understanding. Okay. First Chronicles 16:11. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. What does it look like if you're in a situation, you're at work, you're in a difficult situation, you're with a difficult family member, um, you're in, oh, I'm going to, I have issues with Kroger right now. And they've kicked me off their click list. This is the second time in five months. And I have made it right on my end. But what does it look like? And I was trying to be really nice. And I know I'm just, I told him, I'm just one little person in the big, vast universe of the Kroger company. So probably what I say doesn't matter. But what does it look like if I'm seeking his face as I'm on the phone for hours with these people just trying to buy my groceries? In a convenient way of letting someone else shop for me so that I don't have to. I know these are not the biggest problems in the world. But I'm just saying, what does it look like if we're seeking his face always and we don't we don't split it up as this thing like, okay, this is my time with the Lord. I'm seeking his face right now. And then we step out of that one and we move over here and now we're just doing our daily life. No. We're seeking his face always in all things and all people and All situations and all relationships and all circumstances, everything he's doing, his face is what we're seeking. His face is in all things. We just have to tune in and turn our eyes to it, right? Okay. So how many of you have heard the story about Jacob wrestling with God? That story of Jacob wrestling the angel? Okay, I'm going to read it. It's kind of long. Genesis 32 twelve. I'm gonna start with thirty two twelve, just the one the, the pre-story is. It says, but you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. So basically um, Jacob gets a promise. God has promised him, you know, blessing and all these things. Now he's getting ready to face his brother Esau plus four hundred person army. Right? And so he's got all this going on. So he's nervous, he's anxious, with all of these things that are happening. And then in Genesis 32, 22 through 31, I want to read it. It says, that night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. So basically we have Jacob, two wives, two female servants, and eleven sons. So four hundred in an army compared to all that arrangement of, of people. And then it says, after he had set Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name, but he replied, Why do you ask me or ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. I love this story. He wrestled all night long. And he wouldn't let him go until he was blessed. He sought the Lord. He's wrestling the Lord. He's face to face with God. And he's not letting it go until he gets what he needs. And I I just think that that is that is the cry of my heart. I am not there. I am not there. I... Do my goal in life is to get up early enough to sit down, to read a Bible verse, and spend time with the Lord. That's my goal. But there are times when the bed calls my name, and, the, and the, the voice of the bed is louder than the voice of the Lord. Dang it. All I'm saying is, I am on the journey with you. I want to get to the place to where I won't stop seeking his face until I get The encounter that I came for, till I get the touch from him that I came for, till I get the breakthrough that I came for, till I get to the next level of knowing him that I desire. And I think of Josh Haas. I know he's not here, but, like, we have been really, he's really been processing with us, like, this desire for this encounter with the Lord. And I just, like, he, he doesn't stop. He doesn't stop seeking it. I don't even know how long it's been, but it's been a while, and he's just continually seeking, and his faith is still there. I'm going to have this encounter no matter what it looks like. And also in that, an encounter may not look like an angel showing up and you're wrestling all night long, but take the box, take the walls of the box off of what an encounter might look like with him. It could just be just this overwhelming feeling of peace. That's an encounter with the Lord. Like, it always looks different. And so just know that, like, whatever you're seeking is just, I just want to know you more. I just want to know you more. That might look like one thing to one person, something else to someone else. It's because God is so amazing. He's all over the place. He's all different. He's all different characters, all different facades of him. And so when the wrestling was finished, what happened? Jacob walked away with a limp because he was marked He was marked after that encounter with the Lord. And that's the thing with us. As we have our encounters with the Lord, we're marked. We don't look the same. We don't walk the same. We don't think the same. We don't do relationship the same. We don't struggle the same. We don't fear the same. Like Things change when we have our encounters with Him. Okay, the last part. Craving. Psalm 84, 1 through 2. How lovely... Is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty? My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Okay, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I that's that's my goal. I want those things. I want my heart and my flesh to cry out in such a way. That it's like, you couldn't peel me off the floor because of the encounter I'm having with the Lord. And so what does it look like when we go back to thinking about our prayer? What does it look like if, if as we're desiring these encounters and these face-to-face changes and these, the seeking of Him that we begin to declare, my soul will yearn my, m- for your courts, my heart cries out, my flesh will cry out for the living God, we just begin to declare it. Right, we're proactive. We're saying this is what's coming. Thank you that my heart cries for you. Thank you that my soul cries out. Thank you that I'm searching the house for you and not for the Reese cups. Right? Come on. All right. We were made to crave. What this tells me, what that verse tells me is we were designed to crave him. We have a choice as to how we're going to fulfill the craving. We're made to crave. We will fulfill the craving. We will. Some of us will do it by trying to find someone else to fill the craving. Some of us will do it through drugs, alcohol, relationships, workaholics. I mean, whatever it is, we will find something to fulfill the craving, and we have to make sure that the thing that's fulfilling the craving is him. We have to make sure that that's what it is. All right, I'm going to end it on this. Um, think about Eve in the garden, right? Because I was listening to, to the Surrounded song. You know, it may look like I'm surrounded. I'm not going to sing, but I'm surrounded by you, okay? I got to thinking about that. I'm like, okay, Eve, she began to crave what she focused on. As the enemy put the apple and tempted her with the apple, her, suddenly her craving shifted to the apple. And as that began to grow, what happened? That that's all it, it overtook her because that's where her focus turned. She began to crave the apple. Compare it to Jesus. He craved what he focused on. He spent the night with the Father. He was constantly, it even says, I only do what my father's doing, like I do what my father's saying. What he craved is what he focused on. In our lives, and in that song as I was thinking about it, we will crave what we focus on. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Just in those lyrics of that song, that tells me that what we're looking at is not him. Because what happens is he's constantly surrounding us, but if what we're focused on becomes the layer prior to his layer, then that's what we're, that's what we're seeking, that's what we're craving, that's what we're, like, that's what we're wrapped around. We have to make we have to break through that and say, okay, I'm always surrounded by you and everything else that surrounds me actually takes the next layer out. And as I'm seeing the things that are trying to surround me, I'm seeing it through you because I'm you're surrounding me the closest because you're the thing I crave, you're the thing I desire, you're the face-to-face, you're the character that I want to be. You're my need, you fulfill my need, you fulfill my want. All right, last verse, Jeremiah 1.8, goes just right along with this. It just says, maybe. Okay, I have it here. There it is. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. We got it. Don't focus on the faces. And the faces doesn't necessarily always mean people. But the faces don't focus on the trial that's in front of you. Don't focus on um, the bad thing going on at work. Don't focus on what this person said about you. Don't focus on the lies that are being thrown at you. Don't focus on your financial struggle. I'm not saying don't think about it. I'm not saying avoid it. But I'm saying when our focus is him then everything else falls into place because we know his character, and we know that, oh, he's the God of provision. Oh, I get to see my finances now through the God of provision who's going to make a way, right? So that's a lot, and I'm done. It's the end of it. That's all I have to say. But we're going to pray. I'm going to pray. I want you to stand, and I want you to just put your hand on your heart. I just want to release Um, a new hunger, because we've talked about identity and humility, and that leads us on this pathway to hunger, for the seeking, this necessity, this thing that can't be quenched. Man, if you want to get inspired, I don't know about you, but I get inspired by music, and uh, I was going back to some old roots of Misty Edwards. How many of you, have, have you ever listened to any Misty Edwards stuff? Guys, okay, she's a little out there, but I, all the songs that I was looking at, listening to, I, all I, it was all about, I seek your face, you're all I seek, my soul pants for you, I run for you, I crave you, like all of this stuff. Anyways, Misty Edwards, if you're trying to go deeper with the Lord, whew, that's a good one to start. All right, so what I'm going to do is I just want to, I feel like I just want to impart on you this desire to seek the Lord like never before. That like he's the only thing that's going to fulfill your chocolate craving. Right? You could have a pound of racy cups sitting there and you're like, that's going to be good, but Jesus is going to be better. All right. So, God, we thank you so much. Lord, thank you that you've just solidified our identity. We know who we are. We understand our authority. We understand that we get to have these face to face encounters with you. Lord, I thank you that we have that understanding. Lord, I thank you for being humble and, Lord, that the humility and and just as we've reflected on that and as we've focused on that this last week, Lord, that now it's paved a way for a deep hunger, Lord, that our hearts, our souls, our spirits, everything in us is left empty until we get this fulfilled by you and you alone, by your presence, by your character, by your love, by your voice, Lord, God, I just ask for an increase, Lord, and a desire to seek your face, God, that it would be you that we crave, Lord, and that we aren't satisfied. I want to walk out today, Lord, not satisfied until we get you, seek you, feel you, are so aligned with you, God, that you would just leave us never the same. So we just thank you for that, Lord. We just say yes, and amen. We thank you, God. I thank you for the deep encounters that are going to be happening this week. God, I just thank you for your protection, your blessing, and your goodness. Ah, amen. Amen. All right, would you just find somebody and encourage them, right? We're stirring up this prophetic, encouraging culture, so so find somebody and encourage them this morning.